Oh, indeed. Well, praise the Lord, here we are once again. And uh, let's open our Bibles together once again. <clears throat> As we get back to our study uh, in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Last week, wasn't it a great week last week? Brother Dan Souza was here and he had some powerful messages. And I'll tell you, if you missed any of the services... We will do our best to have those services uploaded to the website as quickly as possible. Uh, or if you'd like, and if you want one, uh, you, we can make you an audio CD. We can make you a DVD of any or of all of those services uh, online. For you that uh, may have missed those services, there is a request form online that you can fill out and send that in. We'll get that out to you. For us here, there's a request forms in the back. Just make sure that you fill that out and uh, hand it in, and we'll try to get you uh, copies of those messages and uh, and any other messages. That, and, and you know, sermon audio. I have to just praise the Lord for sermon audio. They are a tremendous organization that. Um, is completely founded and based and standing on the Word of God. And I appreciate that they have. So there are hundreds of thousands of gospel messages out there. And they're at the ready. And, uh, you know, we have, I think, last count, I think, just since we have been with Sermon Audio, I think there are some mm, over 1,200 messages out there. Uh, that they have uh, archived and they are out there for, available. You can search them by subject, you can search them by speaker, all those sorts of things. Anyway, uh, not to plug all of that stuff, but uh, indeed, if you missed last week, it was a tremendous time of fellowship with Brother Dan, and he had great messages, and so uh, if, you, if you would like, we can get those back to you. But as we get back to our study here today, our text is really concluding... Uh, this chapter number 11, as we have it, uh, in the Gospel of Mark. So let's go ahead, uh, open if you're not there already, Mark chapter 11. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to shake it up a little bit today. We're going to read our passage first, and, uh, and then we'll get to uh, the introducing of what the topic will be today. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse number 27. The Bible here reads, And they, that is Jesus and his disciples, and they come again to Jerusalem, and as Jesus was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and said unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned within themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people. For all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And verse 33 says, And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority... I do these things. This might seem like an odd bit of a, a passage of scripture, but I think as we go on today, uh, we'll get some understanding, at least I pray that God will help us to understand just what he's getting at here. Now, earlier in this chapter, you may recall from a few weeks ago, or you could go back and, and read it yourself earlier in the chapter, Jesus had fulfilled, if you recall, a major prophecy concerning the Messiah as he rode into Jerusalem on that young colt of a donkey. 
It wasn't long until that very next day, following Jesus inspecting, looking throughout all of the temple, that very next day, Jesus came and purged. He cleaned out. He overturned the money changers' tables and he drove them out of the temple. He purged the heretical practices that were going on as he proclaimed, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. That's back in verse 17 of this chapter, if you wanted to read that. And he is referring, of course, to the exhortation delivered by the Lord's prophet Jeremiah. Jesus is referring to Jeremiah, and we find it in chapter 7 and verse 11, which was, Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. And also, Jesus is referencing Isaiah's record, and we see it in chapter 56 in the second half of verse 7, where he says, For my house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Now Mark also records that the scribes and the chief priests heard what Jesus did in the temple, driving out those money changers, as I said, and overturning their tables. And we're told how they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Well, this then is the basis and the premise upon which I've already read in our text about why the, the priests and the chief scribes and, and the elders have come to him asking on his authority. These religious leaders, you see, or maybe we should say these religious, right, quote, end quote, religious leaders, were becoming more and more desperate to hold on to the status that they have garnered for themselves as they are seeing things unravel before their very eyes as Jesus continues teaching and preaching the truth and people are responding. Now that is, I believe, God's great desire for us, is it not? That as Jesus is preached and as the truth of God is preached and studied, our hold on these things that have enticed us in this life and in this world would become less important so that Jesus is given full jurisdiction in our lives to work and to mold and to make us rather than me and you giving him only parts of our hearts or perhaps most of ourselves but not quite all. So I've entitled today's message The Jurisdiction of Jesus. The Jurisdiction of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look to your word today, Lord, I recognize that it is not possible for mere humans, Lord, to grasp or even to expound the full depth and breadth of your word. So, Lord, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us. Lord, that you might open our understanding today. Help us to see the value in the Word of God. Help us to see, Lord, what you would have for us to learn and to espouse and to hold on to today from your Word. Change us, Lord, as we most surely need you in our lives. God, help us to not fall into that temptation of questioning your authority as these have done in our text today.
Grant according to your will. Work mightily in our hearts today. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So this must be, I think, the day of no three-point outlines. <laughs> Pastor didn't have a three-point outline this morning. I don't have a three-point outline this afternoon. Praise God for that. We'll be out of here in 37 minutes. Um, but as our study picks up, <laughs> we see Jesus and his disciples are on their way back to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus was, of course, as we have read previously, Jesus was teaching his disciples all along the way, as he always had. And he gave them the most profound lesson in four simple words as they were traveling. And yet those same four words, they really speak volumes as those four words are, I would call maybe the governing principle that is to guide all of our life, all of our decisions, and all of our conduct, even with and toward others, but most importantly, it's to be our guide during those times when we are at our most vulnerable. When is it that we're at our most vulnerable? When we're alone. When we're alone, when it is just the Lord and you and everything that wants to influence you. What was that lesson? I said it was a profound lesson in four words, and here it is. Verse 22 records it. Have faith in God. What a simple how can that be so profound? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because when we have that faith, have faith in God, when that faith is pure and when that faith is in, inculcated into our lives as God would have it through the Word of God and through Christ, and we allow that faith to be our guiding force so that we begin to do always, as Jesus has said, that which pleases the Father, instead of working to satisfy our own pleasures. When we begin to do that, we will find that as we encounter and we face the daily challenges that God allows or, or even brings into our lives for our learning, God will provide a peace and he will provide a confidence in his authority and his sovereignty. And we won't be frightful. We won't be anxious. We won't be without wisdom or understanding. And we won't be without grace. Rather, we will find that God grants, when we are applying that faith in God, God grants that we can and do simply handle each and every situation and circumstance and challenge so that God is honored and so that his truth and love are demonstrated and acknowledged. Isn't that the whole point behind Matthew 5, 16? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. How are you going to have good works unless you have faith in God? There is no good in any one of us. Even Jesus, when the rich young ruler came to him and said, Good master, Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. When we apply that faith in God and allow him to work the good works in us and through us, 
Then God's love is demonstrated and is acknowledged, and God gets the glory, and God gets the honor. Now, it is clear and evident in our text, I know we read it a few moments ago, so maybe you've forgotten it already, but in our text, it's clear and evident that these, the priests, the chief scribes, the elders, they were supposed to be the representatives of God. And they were supposed to be the representatives of godliness and holiness in the day. Well, they were rather set on edge by what Jesus had done in the temple just the day before. What do you mean? Let's read it again. Verse 27. They come again to Jerusalem, and as Jesus was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they said unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? What things are these talking about? As we mentioned, as Jesus purged and corrected the behavior in the temple. Now these certainly demonstrated by their actions and by their questions that they did not have the right faith in God. And moreover, they did not act because of that faith or by demonstrating faith in the living God whom they claimed to serve. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders, they are supposed to be the ones. They're the ones leading the people. Supposed to be in worship of God. Their reactions really just showed that their hearts were not in the right relationship with God. They should have been the ones who kept the temple of God as a place of prayer and of worship. But they let their desire for personal gain corrupt their thoughts and actions. So that when Jesus came and corrected the situation, how dare you? Who are you to come in here? And by what authority do you think that you're doing this? They were blinded to what God was really doing, and they got rather upset about it. They most certainly did not, or at least they would not, recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecy of the coming Messiah, being sent from God, much less the work that Jesus was doing as being a right or righteous or, or worthy to be acknowledged and accepted. What Jesus was doing was right. They weren't about to accept it, though, because, well, that stepped on our toes, and we didn't like that. Now, seeing their reactions... Seeing how they confronted Jesus about this almost makes one wonder, how do we, that is you and me, how do you and I respond or react when God has to make some correction in our lives as his children? Have we heeded what does that mean? That means have we heard and listened and actually acted upon all the teaching that God has provided? And are we working to serve God wholeheartedly, doing always that which pleases the Father? Or do we also tend to only take heed to those parts of God, God's word and the good things that he does on our behalf? Oh, I like that part. Oh, God says, I'll be blessed if I just do this. I don't like that part. I don't like the part where God says, you'll face tribulations in this world. 
I don't like the part when God said, they will bring you up on charges and they will try to kill you. I don't like that part. I don't want to do that part. I want to do the part where God says, he bless me. I like that one. Do we only take heed to those parts of his word and the good things he does on our behalf and then get a little bit incensed and object to his corrections and his exhortations or even his rebukings when we go and sit in a service and hear the word of God being preached? That somehow, how did he know that that was me and he's just picking on me, that preacher? No, that preacher doesn't know the first thing beyond what God said. I want you to say this. God has his reasons. Now, Christian, you and I both know. We all know that Jesus has jurisdiction here in his church. So that pastor, oh, that pastor, that preacher that comes, they better mind their P's and Q's because this is God's church and Jesus has jurisdiction here. Well, what about out there? No, 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 no. When you leave the church, nope, that's it. You just leave your Jesus stuff in the church because that's where Jesus belongs. But out here in the world, that's where we belong. No, no. When it comes to us, oh, wait a minute, here comes preaching from Paul, the apostle. When it comes to us being, what is it? The temple of the Holy Spirit of God in which he dwells and works to conform us to the image of Jesus. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's right. The Bible says that I'm a temple. Jesus has jurisdiction in the temple. Oh, but not in me, right? No, but we are the temple of Jesus Christ. We are so much more reluctant to give up that jurisdiction, even though it's what we know that we should do. Well, God, I'll give you this part and this part and this part and this part, but I'm just going to hang on to this one a little bit longer. It reminds me, there's a song years and years ago. <laughs> you can read it in the story of the plagues in Egypt. When they asked Pharaoh, when do you want us to get rid of the frogs? He said, tomorrow. <laughs> one more night. I just want one more night with the frogs. Well, that's foolish. Why would we hang on to something that is so detrimental to our spirit in our relationship with God? And yet we do. Jesus has his jurisdiction in the church, but does he have jurisdiction here in his temple that is me? Now when these priests, the scribes, the elders, when they question Jesus, as we get back to our text, they surely expected some kind of a direct answer. Who gave you this authority? By what authority do you do these things? But in the wisdom of God, Jesus answered in such a way that required the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders to consider themselves before giving them a response. Look at, with, uh, look at the Bible with me again in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And going on, they reasoned within themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all the men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. You see, they had to consider themselves. They had to consider where did they stand in their belief of what God was doing. Where did they stand in their belief of God's word? 
How often have you and I been presented with a circumstance? Maybe we've been presented with a decision to make. Specifically one which could, in which we could either choose God's way of doing something, or we could choose to just do what looks like the easiest way to resolve the problem and move on. Because, you know, God's way isn't always the easiest way. Well, I don't want to go through the hard way. If I just do this and this, I can just get out of from under the situation and I'll just move on and then I'll ask for forgiveness later. That's the, that's the worst phrase right out of the pits of hell that there could be. It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Uh-uh. Friends, we've got to do things God's way from the start. Do we take much time to consider ourselves in those circumstances? Do we consider that if we choose God's way, it might cause us some manner of persecution or chiding by others? Or that it might cost us something in our, in our perceived reputation? Well, if I do it God's way, my co-workers are going to think that, man, I'm a whack job. Well, you know what? Be the whack job for God. <laughs> I think God's going to honor the whack jobs that do it his way. No, we don't need to be crazy. We don't need to be obnoxious. We don't need to be any of those things. But you understand the point that if we choose to do it God's way, it doesn't matter what the world outside thinks. It only matters what God says. And when God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then we'll be, wow, it was worth it, wasn't it? But if God says, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, but I did all these things. I never knew you. Should have done it God's way, not the easy way, huh? You see, God's word tells us that there's two ways that things could go when we're faced with that kind of a situation. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. However, if we cannot claim those because kind of statements... 1 Peter 3.12 tells us, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now surely, wait a minute, that, that, that last phrase, surely that applies to the unsaved. Yes, yes it does. But friends, I also believe that it applies to the saved soul who in a particular moment falls into the temptation of the flesh and does that which is not pleasing in God's sight. You see, it presents a hindrance to answered prayer such that even if God is ready to answer and bless, and bless he cannot reward any degree of unrighteousness. And this hindrance to answered prayer, this hindrance to what we're asking of God, is not tied just to our deeds. As we know, James chapter 4 and verse 3, what does it say? Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. You see, God is addressing here the motives in our heart concerning that for which we pray also. So Jesus has jurisdiction even in our temple here. It's very clear from Scripture and from the examples that are given, such as in our text here today, that we must, in every area of our heart and life, relinquish the jurisdiction to Jesus if 
we are to experience those fuller blessings that we so crave as the children of the Most High God. Sadly, after careful consideration, these in our study, they chose poorly. Look at what the Bible says. They reasoned within themselves in verse 31, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And in verse 33, they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, we know academically, that means we know in our minds, do we apply it in our hearts? I don't know if we do, but we know that God is sovereign and God is all-knowing with all wisdom and we know that God is under no obligation to answer our cries and prayers of why God for any circumstance. But in unmeasurable love and grace without bounds, God gives us the time and the guidance to consider our own position and our relationship with him. When we pray and when we are bearing down in prayer and the answers don't come like we think they should, friends, that is time for us to consider ourselves and our relationship with God. Are we right? Is there something that is preventing God from answering the prayer? You see, when we make the wise choice to surrender and to give full jurisdiction to Jesus in every aspect of our life, then I believe we'll experience the full meaning of John chapter 14 and verse 27 in which Jesus says, do you know what the verse says? Good, I'm going to tell you. You can look it up, but here's what it says. John chapter 14 verse 27 says, Jesus speaking says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but uh, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, when we give Jesus that jurisdiction, when we surrender, let go of whatever it is that we're holding on that's hindering our relationship with God. Then Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. Now there is a peace that we can get in the world, sure. How long does it last? Right up until something until something better comes along? The peace of Christ is an everlasting, over-abiding peace that governs all areas of our life. Jesus said, I give you my peace. As well as Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. That's probably a familiar reference to you. What does it say? God tells us there, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. When we give Jesus the jurisdiction, the peace of God follows and flows through all of our needs. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor, would you close the service today? Well, there is no place in this side of the rapture 
than to be fully surrendered, totally yielded to the Lord. No place like it. Yet we fight it. We want to hang on to that little certain area of our life for whatever reason. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be looking back maybe, see what could have been, what should have been, but wasn't because we didn't fully surrender. Father, we thank you for this time that we could be in the house of the Lord today, and we thank you for those who have remained and joined us at home. Lord, we do ask and pray that we'll take seriously the, the understanding and, uh, Lord, your desire. Because, Lord, we think we know a lot about our lives, but the truth of the matter is we don't know what our lives are going to be like tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But, Lord, you do, and you're preparing us for those future times by working with us in full surrender during the present. So, Lord, may we be mindful that it is your will and your purpose that you want us to fulfill. And, Lord, that's where we find the joy and that's where we find the happiness, a peace that passes understanding. Lord, be with us as we go our separate ways now. We pray now these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it.